Welcome to Becoming Church, the podcast where we discuss how the message and movement of Jesus is not just about becoming Christians, but about becoming the church. I'm your host, Kristen Mockler-Young, and I am so looking forward to this brand new season of the podcast. I've got more friends to introduce you to, like my guests today, as well as other people that you probably already love to learn from, like Joel Mutamale and Rich Viotis. Becoming Church is a resource of Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. And our hope is that in these conversations, you will reimagine a new relationship with God, discover who He intentionally created you to be, and maybe even find your way into a new faith community. My guest today, Tara Bremer, is the founder of House Peace, a team that uses the psychology of systems to bring peace into your chaotic spaces. I met Tara a few years ago, not long after I'd become ordained, and the words, I'm a pastor, still sounded weird coming out of my mouth when people asked me what I did. But Tara was one of the first people I remember encouraging me as basically a complete stranger to be confident in it and to not brush over who I was. She's been encouraging me and making me laugh ever since. Here's my conversation with Tara Bremer. friends. It is a brand new year and I am here with my friend Tara Bremer. Tara! <laughs> hey Kristen, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, thanks for asking me to be here. Yes, so fun. I know we, we have to focus and make sure that we actually talk about the things at hand and don't just chit chat because... <laughs> I know, I'm so glad you sent that. me some questions to prep because otherwise we could take a lot of rabbit trails. <laughs> We would. Pre-recording, we've already talked about lipstick and curling our hair and all of these very important <laughs> yeah. things. <So. laughs> yes. Well, it is the it is a brand new year. It is 2024. And everyone is thinking about something that they want to change right now. But you, Tara, call yourself a continuous improver. So I want to <laughs> yeah. know what is a resolution or a goal or something that you want to see happen this year? Like for me personally? Yeah. Oh, shoot. Well, I didn't think through that part of it at all. I think <laughs> I read that so quickly. I thought you were talking about in general for other people. I can talk you about can other start people. start with that if you want while you're thinking. <laughs> no, it's good. Um, yeah. I. So the continuous improver part is, this is just a part of my personality that I really cannot help. Both my husband and I, I would call us continuous improvers. We're always looking for efficiency, for okay. um, energy management and time and money. Like both of us hate waste so much. And it's funny because my husband's in the mining industry. So his uh, continuous improving looks like how can we make vehicles more efficient to haul rock? What is the angle of the ground that will provide the best, you know, what, like whatever the flow of the trucks and whatnot, yeah. and how can we reclaim the land and all that stuff? So we both just can't help it that way. So 20, <laughs> so 2024 for continuous improver, Tara Bremer. Well, I'm graduating a son this year from high school. Wow. So Can you believe honestly, that? most of my year, I feel like is already shaping up to be about him. And it's already been about him because we've gone through the whole fall. I, I keep calling it the Tucker Bremer show because he's just gotten, <laughs> he's gotten awards and he's gotten a concert and you know, whatever. So that can be hard on the siblings. And I'm just like, hey, we're going to ride this Tucker Bremer show and it'll be your show soon. That's right. Um, so, so much of what I'm doing, I'm planning a big vacation for our family before awesome. he goes off to college. I'm planning my daughter's camp right now. And, oh, this is a big one for me that I yeah. stumbled upon. I, last year, mm -hmm. miraculously and accidentally had a week by myself week by myself in my own house. Nobody oh, wow. was here with me. And it has now become, it was so precious to me that I want to do this every year. So that's also in my planning or my goal setting. Um, so all these parts depend on other parts. So for example, you and I met through our friends at a uh, pop culture podcast called the Popcast. Yes, we did. <laughs> and so I'm their backstage manager. And so usually I go on all their tour dates and I'm anticipating doing some or all of that this year as well. And, or, you know, 2024. 
Yeah. So I'm like, when are the dates, guys? When are the dates? And they're like, we're getting there. And I'm like, but if I don't have those dates, then I, I can't, can't plan, my, plan when my daughter goes. I can't plan my daughter's camp and I can't plan a trip for the boys. And like, I have right. to, I'm going to need to have that week by myself. So it's like yeah. all these seemingly <laughs> unrelated things. I'm like, it all boils down to, I want this week at home by myself. I can go on a trip. I can go on the girls weekend. I could go on a retreat. I could do all the things. But I am telling you, there's something super magical about being at home alone with no possibility of interruption, no possibility okay. of messes. I would like clean my house really well the first day and make no real appointments other than my neighbor, Sheila. She's a good friend of mine. Last, last year, she took a day off and we binge watched a show oh. together and watched lunch. It was so fun. It was just like indulgent, you know, and it cost no money you know? Yeah. So those are the kinds That's of things awesome. I'm planning for the year. Yeah. I love that being at home alone. And we're going to get into this probably a little bit more in our conversation, but that does not sound relaxing to me. That sounds stressful to me. I feel like I really? would just end up. Yes. Because I want to no, you send me somewhere by myself for a week. I'm a hundred percent on board, but being at home, I feel like I would just have the need to like clean or do projects or be, um, motivated to like accomplish. I think I would feel like I need to accomplish well, yes, a bunch of things. Absolutely. Chris. Is that your plan? Yes. It, it's the plan, but it's something I like to do. I like to putter okay. around and do things like I just ordered some light switch covers to that are decorative and I'm going to put those in my bathroom. Like, when am I going to do that? Well, if, if it was around that time, that'd be something I would do. I like being productive. So it's not exactly a retreat. It's more of like, I don't know what word I would use to describe it. It's just doing whatever I want. I still yeah. worked. Like I didn't go out on organizing jobs, but I did computer work that week. It's not okay. like I took the time off. It's not a vacation. It is okay. just time for me. And I did go out to dinner with friends and things like that. Yeah. Well, I guess that's the thing too, is right. Knowing intentionally what it is and going in yes. with this mindset of like, okay, what is the purpose of this week? And what are we doing here? I need to name it. So I'm going to think through that and it, oh, I yeah. don't feel like I can name it like the, whatever I want week. Maybe I can, maybe it's just the, whatever <laughs> I want week. It's <laughs> actually, it's got a good ring to it. I kind of like it. Yeah. So for people that don't know, and you alluded to this a, mi a minute ago, you said you like to putter around. You have a company called House Peace, where you help people declutter and basically do little projects in their house. How did this become a business for you? And what exactly do you guys do? So House Peace does in-home, hands-on organizing. And we're here in Birmingham, Alabama. But I also have organizers in Atlanta, Georgia, Mobile, Alabama, and New York City. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're all, we can all do the same things. We can all organize a home or an office or a storage facility or something. Yeah. And I started it 10 years ago in 2013. Oh my gosh. I know. Shortly after we adopted our daughter. Um, so all of a sudden I had three kids. One's a toddler with specific needs. And I was like, wait this is hard. And <laughs> so I, I didn't work outside the home at that time. I had, mm -hmm. I stayed home with the, the boys. I have two boys, um, the whole time I was leaving them. And then six months after she came home, I was like, I gotta have something for me. I have already organized my house within an inch of its life. I had been blogging about organizing. I'm like, yeah, maybe someone will pay me to do this. I mean, I know that's a position of privilege to um, start a business because I feel like it, but sure. I'm a very driven person and um, we had always dedicated ourselves to living on one salary. So um, I was able to stay home. So again, check your privilege. There it is. And um, so I started the business and I started marketing directly towards other Birmingham based adoptive moms who had adopted from China specifically. Oh, wow. You started with a real niche group. I did. I did. <laughs> and guess what? They hired me and they still follow me and they still recommend me and they still have me on their podcasts and whatever. <laughs> like I, it was such a neat thing. And, a, um, and it really helped me firm up my idea that like chaos and clutter is not really about the stuff. It's mm. about the stuff circumstances in the family. It's about 
personalities of the parents. It's about special needs, or maybe there's been a death in the family. Maybe there's been furniture inherited. There's just so many things. Yeah. There might be mental illness. It's never just like, oh, I'm a terrible person and I can't keep my house clean. That's not it. I like to dig in a little bit. Oh, so I should tell you that in my former life, I was a therapist. So yes, <laughs> yes, that I stopped doing that when um, I had my first son in 2005. But that kind of sensibility of like soul care, because I, I went to a small seminary up in um, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania called Moravian Theological uh-huh. Seminary. And um, so pastoral care has always mattered to me. So when we go in on a job, like we're definitely like, hey, we got stuff to do. Like we're rocking and rolling and we work quickly and efficiently. But at the same time, we also know like when to slow down and when to like really listen and when to redirect and when not to. And it's not that we're therapists, but I I jokingly for a long time called what we do therapy for your house. And now it's like my tagline. It's house therapy for your house. Yeah. Well, and I'm glad that you told people about your psychology background too, because that way they're not just like, oh gosh, here comes Tara coming into to psychoanalyze me and make up yeah. assumptions of what she thinks. Like you actually know what you're you're talking about and what you're I doing. I think so. I like to think so. <laughs> I love the Enneagram as I'm sure a lot of um, yes, your I'm obsessed. probably do as well. <laughs> yeah. So I even have on our, like our getting started form, our inquiry form, I have a, like, hey, if you're comfortable sharing your personality type, whether it's Enneagram, MBTI, whatever, um, let us know. It just helps us be a little bit more specific on our recommendations for you. For That's example, awesome. I, I always bring this example up because it was so clear. Uh, I worked for an Enneagram 7. She's kind of an OG, long, long time client. And she does hair and makeup like to the stars. Okay. okay. She's, she's, she's big time. And she's, she's just got this beautiful life that is hard. There's some needs sure. and circumstances that are very difficult that I learned through the process of working with her. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to say what they are because it's personal, sure. but she is always ready to get to the next fun thing. She's planning parties and she leads a small group and she travels and does all these things. So knowing that she's a seven literally informed how I was going to organize her junk drawer. Right. I'm like, she's not going to be the person who will appreciate me finally wrapping every cord <laughs> in a very tight, specific way because she'll like it in the drawer, but she can't maintain she's not that. And then she's that way. She's not gonna put it that way. And she'll just like throw her hands up and just maybe even have some bad defeated self-talk, you know? So yeah, like, I, just I can't was do like, this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in her junk drawer, I made a larger bin and I'm like, this is just tech. We're not even gonna call it cord. This is like cubes and cords and chargers and whatever. And like the, the expectation was, Hey, you don't have to wrap anything up. Just get them all right. Get there so they're the, not mm-hmm. mixed in with the scissors and the pens, you know? Yeah. So I like to do, you know, uh, something that's as custom as possible within reason, you know? Yeah. Um, because then it's sustainable. I, I want people right. to be able to say to me, Hey, it's been years and I still maintain this. Yeah. I think that's the difference too, with what you guys do versus just maybe some other people that come in just to organize. Cause you can't just take a, I mean, you can try, but you can't just take a one system plan and go, this applies to everyone. I mean, every parent listening <laughs> knows that like I've got two girls and in my oldest room, I mean, she has literal like boxes where I just go, I don't care what you put in here, but just put the stuff in here. And she also knows that every so often I'm going through there and I'm going to pull out the cheese stick wrappers and the one sock and the like things that, I mean, I don't understand sometimes the things that I find in that box, but I'm like, I don't care what it is. Just put it in here. So it's not all over your room. Then my other daughter, you know, she's got like her pens go in this drawer and her little notebooks go here and everything is organized. And, but when I tried to make Marley do that, I went into her room and I was like, I'm going to set it up for you. Everything has a home. You just keep it. It stressed both of us out. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so much of that is developmental, but it is their personalities. I mean, I have one of each of those as well. And I've got one that's kind of in the middle. So, um, some of that they will probably grow out of when they see 
or not they, but the one, the yeah. messier one, she, when she sees the benefit down the road. But yeah, I mean, forcing a kid, and I don't, I don't know your kids at all, but like I've worked for people whose kids have ADHD and it's like, we're going to make this extremely simple. Yeah. Um, I had a, a client whose kid just would shove, shove trash, like in under the cabinets. Okay. In, this, in uh-huh. the bathroom or whatever, just chunk it in there because the, well, I, my assessment was it was because the trash can, the literal trash can in the bathroom was tiny okay. and had a, had a little flip top lid, you know, and there's just one she, step too many to get it in there. It's too many steps. Yep. It's too hard. And so I said, listen, we're going to put a big trash can. In. We're putting a kitchen sized trash can in here, no lid. And she can just throw in that general direction. And even yeah. if she doesn't get it in there, mom can say, Hey, go put all that trash in the trash can. Instead of she's like throwing it and shoving it in weird spots. Now, I have not followed up on that, but that was very much an ADHD uh, <laughs> strategy that uh, I recommended for that family. And uh, yes, yeah, so maybe I'll text, text her a little bit and find out how that's going. <laughs> yeah, let me know. That's awesome. Well, what's something really common, Tara, that you find a lot of people holding on to? Like, what's something that most listeners probably have in their spaces right now that maybe they should get rid of? iPhone boxes. I knew you. <laughs> you didn't know. I was like, she is going to write down say, some kind of box. Like, yep. some kind of I, box. I actually recently was like kind of poking fun at people for this. I made a couple of uh, reels on Instagram that I uh-huh. called, this is such a good box. You hurt my feelings. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Listen, I'll allow it. I'll allow the iPhone box, but only the lid. And it has to be in a drawer for organizing something. You can't just keep mm-hmm. that box. Because here's what people do. They're like, what if I sell it? I'm like, you're not. You're right. not, you're going to drop mm-hmm. the phone off at the Verizon store and get your store credit or whatever. You're yeah. not going to sell it. Now I did work for a tech bro who I adore, by the way, uh, who he was like, no, I actually do sell them with the boxes. And he turned stuff over. I'm like, fine. It's okay. You can keep them. And we made a box. You can keep for him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you can keep it. It just you, nobody else. So <laughs> the thing is, it's not just iPhone boxes. People are like, and I have said it a million times. I go, oh, this is a really good box. Yes. Because you hate to throw away something that's really good. Like, mm-hmm. like I said, my husband and I hate waste. And so somehow when you find a really good box, you're like, oh, this is such a waste to throw that out. But like what ends up happening is you end up with a jumbled mess. Mm-hmm. So you might have several good boxes or shoe boxes, or, you know, coach handbag boxes or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, it just becomes a mishmash. They don't stack well, they get damaged because they're, they are cardboard, even though they're a even nice box. It's a good box. That's <laughs> right. And then it just somehow clutter, I don't understand this, but clutter absorbs light. So things that are mishmashed and dark and, um, it, so many of my before and after pictures, the before picture is so dark. Because there's not enough like light bouncing off wow. of things. And the after picture, when things are the same or streamlined, even if it's a black bin, but if they're all black and there's not just all this other garbage around, it it's brighter. It's insane. People are like, huh. well, you filtered it. I'm like, no, I filtered both those pictures the same. I, right. I adjusted both those pictures <laughs> right. the same. <laughs> so I like for your listeners that have mismatch of box boxes. And they may not have a mishmash of like storage boxes. I would say find the box that you like and then just keep getting that one. Every line mm. of storage bins has various sizes. So you could get, um, say you like this one from Target with the purple latches. Well, just keep, always keep buying those. Always okay. keep going back. Don't buy your storage boxes at a random place that the inventory is spotty. Yeah. Get get the same ones all the time, and then you then they'll stack real nice, and then you can label yeah. them, and they just bring in more light too. Yeah. Why do you think it is that we hold on to things like boxes? And I know you mentioned earlier there could be trauma or you know family stuff or mental illness. But I was sitting here and I'm like, I don't know that I have had any of those things. So what do you think it is that makes people hold on to stuff? I think it's generational. I think that I really need like a sociologist and an economist and me to get together and write a paper. Mm-hmm. Um, because 
I really think that, so you and I are roughly the same age. Yes. So my, my parents are baby boomers. Or I assume yours are. Mm-hmm. Are they boomers? Um, I mean, I call they, them boomers. Is that the same thing? I don't know. <laughs> I, people call me a boomer too, whatever. Um, but literal baby boomers were raised by parents who saved everything. Everything. And my, yes. my parents, my dad specifically was raised on a farm. You're not going to put anything to waste on a farm. You're going to reuse this piece of wood that you pulled out of a fence because that other mm-hmm. part is broken. You're going to reuse the bread twisty ties. And so we have that, this like scarcity thing. And now as Gen X or millennials, we have money. Whether people like it, like believe me or not, we do. We are right. wealthy in this country and in this time compared to um, past generations and, and yeah. other situations. But so like, if we need twisty ties, by the way, you don't need twisty ties, but if you need them, you could go to the store and buy them for a dollar. If you needed, yeah. you know, whatever, you just go get it. So for my parents and their generation, it does not compute how I'm constantly moving stuff out of this house. Mm-hmm. I go donate stuff at the thrift store probably every two weeks of my own. Like yeah. my clients too. It's after every job we take donations. But um, I think just the relative wealth and the cheapness of products uh, means we don't have to do that. But if we were kind of raised in that mindset, then yeah. then we do hold on to things. And yeah. um, and I think like with kids and stuff, like I, I spoke to some seniors in high school recently and um, they were, I was like, "How many? raise your hand. You have to raise your hand. So how many of you go to your closet and you pull out a pair of pants and you're like, I hate these or they're ruined or whatever. And then you throw them back Put in them there. Back. Yep. And they're all like me. And it's like, I said, it's time. You're seniors. You're, you have agency and you could say, Hey, this doesn't need to be taking up room in my life and wasting my time. So I'm like, go to your parents and be like, Hey, these pants don't fit anymore. Uh, can we donate them or, you know, whatever the case may be. And so I just think that as the generations have gone, we're not like teaching kids to like catch up to what is available to us now. I mean, this could open up a whole can of worms about fast fashion and um, (laughs) stuff like that. So I, I'm not an expert on any of those things, but I am saying so many of us still have this mindset of like, well, if I've owned it once, I'm always going to own it. Yeah. However, have you seen this reel on Instagram going around? It might be a TikTok originally, but it's like, uh, like there's a, the camera pans to a beautiful, clear kind of minimalist space. I think it might be a kitchen. And on, on the screen, it says, do you, do you wonder, people wonder why millennials are gravitating towards minimalism. It's because we grew up like this. And then the shot is all these ratty with knickknacks knickknacks and stacks of things and there's nothing this is why people are gravitating towards minimalism so yes. I, think, I think that there is you know a, a big cultural shift that's happening and probably more so will happen with gen z um, yeah. but we'll see well you mentioned the connection between like chaos and clutter and I know that this is a bigger deal than just physical decluttering. So what is the connection, Tara, between like doing this in our physical spaces with our inner selves and finding inner peace? Okay. Let me make sure I understand what you're asking me. <laughs> that was it. That was, that's deep. We're turning, What's the, con- turning the corner here. Okay, we're going we're turning in a new corner. direction. Okay. Say it again, Kristen. So I know that this is more than just about like, I mean, even with that, I've seen that TikTok that you were just talking about, right? Okay. Yeah. So what you guys do with house piece is more than just like, Oh, I want to get rid of stuff and make more space in my physical space. It does something to us internally. I imagine that all of your clients like find more inner peace. So what, what is that connection? How does that work that like decluttering our physical spaces? Well, there's a, there is. Okay. Got it. Yes. There is absolutely a body connection, which is cortisol. So as clutter goes up, studies show that women's cortisol level goes up. In the study, it was not shown that men have that. And that could likely just be because of like gender roles of women typically being the one to take care of the house. So it's like their responsibility. I mean, 
I have a lovely shot behind me, but like, you can't see that my <laughs> kitchen island is like full of dishes and like gingerbread houses and I don't like it. And it makes me stressed, you know? Right. Um, but so as clutter goes up, women's cortisol level goes up as well. And so to me, decluttering isn't necessarily just putting stuff up. Yes, it's putting things up, but it's also taking away this thing that I have to maintain. I don't want to mm. have to maintain this, um, mm-hmm. okay, this Pyrex dish that nests in the Pyrex, di- Pyrex dish that I always use. Because then I'm having to pull it out and blah, blah, blah. they're stacks yes. and they fall down, you know. So literally getting rid of that means there's tiny bits of freedom in my life, tiny bits of space in my brain. Okay, we can shift this towards the, the mental load of women. Like we've got so much we're thinking about. And I have an incredibly involved husband who is a wonderful parent and, um, and is a wonderful husband, but I'm just telling you right now, he's not thinking about my kid's teeth. He's not right. So we've got, we've got dental stuff and we've got whatever that Mm -hmm. is the mental load. So if there's anything at all that I can take out that decreases my mental load, I'm doing it. You could call it laziness. I've even joked and it's not really a joke that I'm going to get rid of stuff because I'm lazy and I don't want to clean them. I don't want to clean this thing. I don't want to put this thing up. This thing makes me mad when I see it, you know? Yeah. I don't think it's laziness whatsoever. I actually started doing that with my kids a couple of years ago when I realized now anybody that knows me is like, you did this to yourself. And I will admit that I did that to myself. (laughs) I did this to myself, but my girls have too many clothes. They have too many clothes. And it's partly because we have an amazing friend who passes down. We've been getting hand-me-downs from her for years. Like, I'm not kidding you when I say that 90% of my girls' clothes, I did not actually have to purchase because it's just handed down to, it's amazing. It's amazing. So I get to spend money on like, you know, just a couple things back to school, maybe a Christmas dress, like that kind of thing. But we have way more than we need. And so that's what I started doing with them. When they complain about laundry or they don't want to do laundry, I don't get mad. I'm like, okay, hey, here's the deal. You have a timeline. Like this is the time frame in which it gets done. Or your other option is I will come in and I will weed stuff out because clearly if you are overwhelmed by needing to do your laundry, it's because you have too many things. And I know that is true. And so sometimes they're like, yeah, do it go through and pull stuff out. Sometimes they say, let me do it with you because you're going to get rid of, you know, my favorite t-shirt that's from a camp that I've never even been to that has like pizza sauce stain on it, but I love it. Like whatever. And there are times that I go through and I weed out without asking them that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. I that's a lesson a... I'm trying to teach them. Yes, if you're overwhelmed you by the responsibility of it, let's pull it back. So there's less to manage. And we are learning so much right now about what is all too much. The internet is all too much. Social media is all too much. Why would we do that to ourselves in our own house? Yeah. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to live this way. I'm not going to keep stuff when I need this place to be a respite from the all too much. I say this as the background is my like maximalist art wall behind me. (laughs) So I think you have to use your own sense abilities, but like, yes, and we have to teach our kids to do that. Um, There's just so much contributing to our lack of peace. And this is a very tangible, attainable way decluttering is to, um, to get rid of some of the stress. Yeah. Well, and like you said, I mean, I, I love your wall back there, but I think it's, that's kind of what I keep hearing you say without saying it is that everybody kind of is different. Like, you get to decide what spaces you're okay with a maxim- maximalist art wall and what spaces re- need to really like be pared down. It's whatever brings you those tiny bits of freedom. I love that so much. That's right. And I actually tell people, I'm like, hey, you can do whatever you want. You can keep whatever you want. Yeah. You can keep these things. It's not wise to keep all these things. <laughs> right. So if you have a collection of books, honor the collection. I call that treasure reverence. So off screen here, I've got three big bookcases full of books because I'm going to have them on bookcases. We like to reference them or lend them or, you know, occasionally reread. (laughs) 
So I've got I've got that. We've got a large musical collection. My, we're all um, we're a musical mm-hmm. family. But like fashion is just not my thing. Yeah. So I'm not going to collect books and music and fashion and shoes and all the whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not sustainable. There's not room in my house. So yes, have your thing. Go for it. And like, if you're a fashion blogger and you, or fashion's just your thing, you're gonna need to have a really specific setup so that you can have as many clothes as you feel like you need for that. You know? Yeah. But like, I don't really recommend if you're into fashion that you have a massive rock collection like we do. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah. My closet, um, I would consider myself a fashion girl. My closet, I have a specific shelf and it just so happened to be built in there when I moved in. And I immediately was like, this is for my shoes. Like, I know this is going to be for my shoes. And it is a lot of people would look and go, girl, that is too many pairs of shoes. But here's the thing. Number one, I wear all of them. I wear all of them. So I know that. And then number two, I have made myself a rule where I'm like, okay, this is my shoe space. And if I want to bring a new one in, one of those pairs that let's be honest, the heel has broken off. It's all scuffed up in the toe. Like one of those pairs needs to come out and I make a trade, you know? Yeah. You know, it's a wonderful way to do things. Um, I think it's the Nestor. Do you know the Nestor? Yeah. Michaelin. Yeah, Michaelin. Mm -hmm. She... Her concept, I'm pretty sure it's hers, is called Lovely Limitations. Have you heard of this? Mm -mm. Where, you know, forever they were renters and her whole blog was like, hey, you can have a lovely home even though you're renting. It doesn't have to be a certain way. And so she's like, but I'm living within these limitations. So that's actually going to allow me to be more creative because there's a boundary. I've got to really think outside the box. And so it's the same. Your shoe area is a lovely limitation. You can, you can honor the shoes and have all the shoes, (laughs) but you're like, you're capping it. And I I love that. Yeah. Well, let's take this even one step. I turned you a corner a little bit. Let's take it even one step further. One step further. You mentioned that you went to a theological seminary. So I want to put a faith spin on this whole concept of decluttering. What does decluttering our spaces have to do with our faith? Like, is there any parallel here? I think there's a ton of parallels and sometimes I feel corny like talking about them because to me they're so obvious and I'm like I'm gonna make everything about me make everything about my organizing business but like no I'm asking half, you so we want to know I know I know I know but like half the sermons at my church I'm like oh man that would make a great house piece sermon to be honest um I think on the most basic level if we are living in clutter and chaos There is not space in our minds, our hearts, or physical space to do our actual priorities. Mm. So maybe it's a priority for you to host, that you're embarrassed that your house is messy, which by the way, come on, let's get over that. But maybe you just physically can't, maybe it's really bad. Um, And you have to turn a friend down who's like, hey, can I come stay with you? And it's like, that's not really your value to turn them down because you're this guest room is out of control or whatever. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm basing that on an actual person I know and it's no shade to her at all, but it's just, I would think it's pretty common probably. Yeah. So if our actual priority is um, our faith or how that's expressed. So having a small group or um, just regular Sunday attendance, playing on the worship team, we we have to have space to do those things. Um, and so I think to simplify our lives so that we can live out our faith easier, mm-hmm. to me, that's the most obvious connection. And I want that for people. <laughs> so like we can say stuff is important to us, but does our calendar reflect that? You know, yeah. does, our, does our living room, is there space for people to sit? And right. how does the kitchen function if I want to have like a small group party or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, I think on a, on a biblical level, I should probably have this verse memorized, but I don't, uh, don't store up for yourself, for yourself's treasures on Mm -hmm. earth, but like we're good. It's all going to go away. Yeah. Where moths come in and everything is going to be destroyed. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. Um, okay. Well, do you know the reference? Cause I don't, I'm, I'd have to look that up. (laughs) 
but I will Google it later and I will put it in the show notes. Yeah. I'm going to send so, it to Matthew. <laughs> I, I, I've used it in a speech before or in a talk, but anyway. Um, yeah. So we've worked for some older people before and it's really interesting because, you know, we're talking about that baby boomer generation and maybe yeah. a tiny bit of silent generation. Isn't that what's before them? Um, and, or at least some of those sensibilities and they're still not wanting to get rid. Like we had, I had somebody who was, I was like, well, what about going ahead and gifting this to your son? Who's 50. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and he's like, no, they're, those things are mine. And it's oh, like, wow. and he's like, never going to use these things. I don't want to say specifically what it is, sure. but he's not able physically yeah. Yeah. to use these things anymore. And it's like, well, what good are they doing? I think, I think that's what gets me sometimes is we, when we hold on and hoard, and I'm using hoard loosely, because sure. it is an actual clinical condition. But yeah. if we are holding on tightly to stuff that we're not even using, we are holding it back a blessing from somebody else. Mm. I would even say we're holding back a blessing from the lady at the thrift store who has to shop at the thrift store. But if, if those thrift stores aren't full of things, then Maybe we're not taking care of someone. Yeah. 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 So instead, I'm going to hold on to these things that are actually literally rusting, literally dust collectors. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, now what's happening is you're saving your 50 year old son a job for the future. He's going to be grieving your death. Oh, for sure. He is going to have to clean out your house. All this stuff comes with baggage. Whereas instead, you could give him those things now. And maybe go with him to use these things, even though you can't, and just enjoy it. And it's like a thing and it's happiness, you know? So I just, I think that we're all prone to greed Mm -hmm. and keeping, and I, myself included, I, I want things. I like things. I sometimes splurge on things. I splurged on a LED red light therapy mask. Oh yeah, you did. (laughs) Whatever. But you know what? I'm using it. Yeah. So I never want anybody to feel defensive about their choices and how they spend their money or whatever. So I'm never going to like specifically say no one should own a splurge or no one should own a collection or anything like that. It it really has to be in our, in our work that someone does for themselves to like say, wait, are my possessions reflecting my actual values? And yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to lose it all in one day. Yeah. I'll tell you one more story Okay, about that. Um, we had a client who wanted us, she got a new table and she wanted us to wrestle that table up into the attic, the old table, I mean. Okay. And she, the customer's always right. So, you know, we push back a little when it makes sense. You try to yeah. take it, but like, this lady wanted it and, and we said, well, oh, you're not going to, are you going to use it again? She's like, probably not. I'll just let my kids deal with it when I'm gone. Oh my gosh. And that bothered me deeply. Like it's stuck with me for years now because again, back to the, like, we're going to be, your kids are going to be grieving your death. Yeah. Now they're left with a job of trying to get this thing out of the attic. There's so much to be done mm-hmm. selling the house, whatever. And you can't even grieve. You've got all this work to do. I don't love that. And it's like, do your children a favor and start making thoughtful choices about your possessions before, before you can't anymore. That's actually a gift to them in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tara, I want to propose this idea to you that I haven't really fleshed out, but I've been thinking about it and I'm like, oh, Tara is the perfect person to like bring this to. And you can either tell me, I don't see this whatsoever and that's fine. And I'll try to continue processing it on my own, but I'm curious to see if you do. So I deconstructed, I would say my faith a couple years ago, right as God was calling me to pastor, which was quite a time for both of these <laughs> things to be happening at once. Yeah. And at the same time, I was going through my own house. I was realizing for the first time, like you said, like the chaos and the clutter and the things in my home were making me stressed out. And so I was like, I just started Goodwill piles and donating and all the things. And I had this kind of what felt like to me an epiphany at the time where I felt like my 
decluttering physically was so connected to me being able to deconstruct my faith at the same time where I realized, and I had this moment of like all of this stuff, like physical stuff that I had held onto, I had held onto because I felt like it defined me. It was like letters from friends that told me this is the kind of person I was or photographs that showed me this is who I was, you know? And so getting rid of those physical things was hard. And then I just had this light bulb moment where God was like, I think you're doing the same thing in your faith. Am I making sense? Like I could not let go Mm -hmm. of this version of God that I had always been told he was. I could not let go of what it meant to be a quote unquote good Christian because it defined who I was. But then I was having all of these thoughts of like, well, what if that's not what I think that means anymore or who I think God is anymore? 100%. is, am I making any sense? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. And I, I don't think I've ever thought about this in these terms at all. Um, I think it's really smart. Yeah. I think you've got an essay or maybe a book in there, but um, yeah, I think, yes, we keep sentimental things, right? We keep memories, yeah. we keep pictures, letters, concert tickets, because it says something about who we are. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. But what if we aren't that anymore? I think that's what you're basically saying. Yeah. So I remember a few years ago going through pictures in my attic. And I actually do this every maybe like four or five years. I'll find all of our old pictures mm-hmm. and I look through them and I get rid of them. Yeah. There yeah. are pictures from high school that I'm like, why in God's name <laughs> did we take this stupid, uh, unattractive and inflammatory type picture? Yeah. And I throw it away. And it's like, that was me at that moment being a ding dong. Mm -hmm. But now I'm not that person and I'm going to get rid of it. I've also been known to throw away journals. That's, that's spicy. I mean, not everybody's going to love that, but like back to like what our kids are going to inherit from us. Like, yeah, I have journals, Kristen. I don't have them anymore. I had journals where I am so self-flagellating about my faith Mm -hmm. and full of guilt full of like, I just need to be a better Christian, very Mm -hmm. work centered. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, yeah, I guess they could read it and be like, Oh, look how she grew out of that. But I'm not interested in that. I just got rid of it. I don't care. I'm not like referencing it again. Yeah. Um, I know that approach isn't for everybody, but it's like the old is gone. The new is come. We do this with clothes. Like this isn't my style anymore. You know, there's nothing wrong with it, but I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. Well, and I think we can do it with our faith too. I just, the more I think about it, the more I think that this is what some people are doing when they're deconstructing is they're going, I don't believe, and it's hard. It is hard. And it can be just as painful as getting rid of like photos or journals or concert tickets or whatever the thing is. But I think that's a process of people going, I'm going to declutter my brain and my belief and my faith of who I believe I am in God, who I believe God is and get rid of these things that felt like they were so identifying of who I was, but we have to do that in order to then make space for the new, you know, to find oh, absolutely. who God actually is and who we were really created to be and what it actually looks like to be loved by him as opposed to, you know, just being stuck in all of the rule following things of like, this is what a good Christian has to do. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a great example of that because I grew up in a faith tradition that doesn't dance. Oh yeah. Wow, man. And, and I love to dance. Like I took dance lessons. I was on color guard and band. I love to dance. Um, that was fine, but somehow like dancing freestyle, I don't know, like going like (laughs) that was not gonna, yeah, that was not ever really talked about, but you knew it wasn't appropriate. I didn't have dancing at my wedding. I didn't have dancing at my wedding. Now I got married in 1997. Yeah. And if I were to do it all over again, I would have a band. I'd probably have a DJ. Like, yep. like why? But I, it never occurred to me to ask why until maybe like five years ago, you know? Yeah. So that old thing, like there's so much good that came from my faith tradition, but that was a stupid one. And I'm not going to receive that. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I know that's yeah. kind of a dumb example, like a very... You know, no, I think it's a very clear example. Thing, but 
I think it's a very clear you know, example. Yeah. And I think a, a lot of people who grew up in a traditional faith or religion, like we did, like mine was not dancing, but there are a lot of things that I was like, never explained the why behind it or the why not. It was just, this is how it is. And you do yeah. or you don't do because God said so. And it's like, well, I actually don't think he did, <laughs> you know? Yeah, maybe not. And I, I, I will tell you right now, I'm kind of a middle of the road person when it comes to politics and, um, yes. And my faith. Yeah. I don't have like a ton of extremes. I used to, Yeah, I am, uh, you know, I grew up in a certain way that Mm -hmm. slightly leaned one, one extreme. Yes. And I'm currently living in a place where there people are tend to be more conservative, which is fine. Like I said, I'm middle of the road. I love a lot of conservatives. I love a lot of liberals. It's all great to me. I'm a, I'm a friend person. Yes. (laughs) However, yeah. However, the term deconstruction has, is now full of baggage. Are you, do you feel that way? Yeah. Because I think like you start to say that word and more conservative people are like, what? (laughs) And it's like, it's like, well, I think people have been deconstructing forever. Right. It's just a different word. I, w- I almost wish there was a different word. Um, right. And maybe there is if we did some sort of uh, study on this. But like, what is just a dumb rule that humans made up? And what is yeah. God's actual heart for us? You yeah. know, so I, I think that I, I, my only point is I wish there was a different term. But I do think that, that there are massive parallels um, between what you're saying, like decluttering and saying, Hey, I thought I needed this thing. And maybe I did for a while. Yeah. Like I did need my really super conservative church. That's what brought me to the Lord. Yeah. That's what made me have a heart for missions. That's Mm -hmm. what made me, you know, open to adopting from China or, you know, whatever. But like, now I'm like, Oh, but these other things, they were man-made. Someone made a mistake. I'm not mad at the church. I'm just not going to do that. You know? That's so good, Tara. That's so beautiful and is filled with so much grace too, to not just say, I'm throwing this away because it's garbage, but I just don't need this anymore. It just doesn't fit me anymore. It doesn't fit me anymore. Kristen, yes. that's the name of your essay. This doesn't fit oh. me anymore. Done. Date <laughs> and fashion. We're going to just bring it all together. Meld it. I love, oh, it. I love it. All right. One last question for you. And this whole thing that we're talking about, right? things that don't fit us anymore, deconstructing physically, faith, all the things I'm going to, and I'm going to use your, but it's a good box example, right? Yeah. When it comes to our belief or our faith, how do we decide? And I'm not asking you to give a specific, like one size fits all example, but when it comes to deciding, how do I keep this? Or what's just a really good box that I think I should keep? Like, how do we make that decision? when it's time to let something go or, or when it's time to hold on to it? I think that the best decluttering happens in relationship, literally and figuratively. I just don't think that we can do this alone. Mm-hmm. And I tell people, I'm like, you may not be able to hire my business to come help. You may hire somebody else. You may not hire anybody at all, but here's what I'm going to tell you right now. Set aside the time, bring a friend. That time is now sacred. Your friend loves you. You're not going to pick like your critical sister or whatever. You're going to pick yeah. someone who loves you and you're going to do this together. You're going to walk hand in hand and she's going to be the clarity that you need to be like, oh yeah, you're right. This is so lovely. Oh yeah, it is ratty, but I get it. You, that's fine. Don't feel guilty about keeping that or, you know, whatever. And I think it's so similar to our faith. We can't do it alone. We're meant to be in community. This is why we have small groups. This is why we have worship services. and. Because our, our left to my own devices, I am forgetful. Yeah. I forget about God. Mm-hmm. I navel gaze big time mm-hmm. for me. I'm a victim of these circumstances. I wish things were better. But when I am community with, in community with others, even just having this conversation with you, I'm gonna, my tank is going to be filled for the rest oh. of the day. <laughs> this is everything. And if I had spent this hour by myself, banging out some like Amazon wish list <laughs> to share with my followers. Like that's fine. But like, it's not the same. We need people. We need trusted, yeah. loving people in our lives 
And we, we could have a whole other episode about decluttering your friends. I don't mean that literally exactly, <laughs> but I could. I could mean that literally. <laughs> uh, we'll get it on the calendar. We'll get it on the calendar. Let's see how the year plays out. And then maybe we'll just come back around. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I love that. And I, I love the parallel between both physically bringing someone into your house to help you get rid of things or just bringing someone into your house to sit on your couch and talk through the things that you've believed that you're not sure if you believe anymore. I mean, I think it works either way. Yeah. And, and for me, you know, back to my, um, my upbringing, my church upbringing, very guilt heavy. Okay. Yeah. This is a church that's very work or was my, I yes. mean, the literal, like the, the singular church, but yes. very workspace, very, um, legalistic and, just having a different person in my life. I literally had a conversation uh, with somebody this week who normalized something that I had been feeling terrible guilt about. And she's mm -hmm. like, this is normal. I do this all the time. This isn't even necessarily a sin. This is what your heart is saying. Like, oh yeah. my gosh, I felt like 15 pounds have been you know, no. lifted from my shoulders. No. We, we cannot just figure it out on our own. We just can't. We're not yeah. capable. We need each other. We do. Well, I'm glad that I have you and I'm glad that I got to share you with our listeners today. This has been so beautiful and so helpful. And I know that um, they will say the same as soon as they get to hear this. So thank you so, so much for being here. Thank you, Kristen. My, my absolute pleasure. My prayer for you listening is that this will be the beginning of finding peace in this new year, that you will be brave enough to let go of things you've outgrown or that no longer fit you, be it physically or metaphorically or spiritually. If you find yourself in this deconstruction or reimagining space, please know that everything you're feeling is normal and you are not alone. I've linked up some resources below that I believe will help you feel seen in this process, but I also invite you to reach out to me personally if you need someone to talk to about a transitioning faith. My Instagram DMs are always open at Kristen Muffler Young, or you can use the contact form at becomingchurch.tv. Please share this episode with anyone who came to mind as you were listening and tag me when you share it on social media. Until next time, keep becoming church to the people around you.